0: this hadn't happened before in in any of our lifetimes. And it puts you in an awkward position where if you are getting paid in healthcare right now, it's probably because your health is being put at risk because you're in in a high risk department. Or you could be in an area that you thought would never be impacted like the emergency room and you're not getting those shifts. And you're almost looking and saying, okay, how long am I not gonna get these shifts? And would it be better if I were just able to get unemployment as opposed to getting one or two shifts a week and trying to figure out your pay?
1: You're listening to Nurses on Fire, the podcast for nurses by nurses aspiring to financial independence. I'm your host, Nasima McElroy of Financially Intentional. Let's spark some flames, y'all. Have you started on your journey towards financial independence? Or want to do better with your money and don't know where to start well this training is for you i encourage you to head over to financiallyintentional.com live to sign up for our next free masterclass, where i'll teach you the techniques i've used and taught my clients to master money and build wealth during this free training you'll learn the most powerful weapon you have at your disposal to launch into financial freedom the budgeting method that will free up thousands of dollars a month to achieve your financial goals, the common mistakes to avoid while paying off debt, and how to rapidly slave debt. You don't want to miss this, so head over to financiallyintentional.com slash live or click the button in the show notes to register for our next free masterclass. Welcome to episode
0: 45 of the Nurses on Fire podcast. Happy birthday, Mommy. I love you, and I hope that you have a wonderful
1: birthday. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. And if this is your first time listening, welcome and cheers to igniting your fire. I will be eternally grateful if you took a moment to subscribe, leave a review, and share with other nurses that you know could benefit. Please make sure to head over to nursesonfirepodcast.com. Slash win to find out how to be entered to win a $50 Amazon gift card for leaving a review. We're also on YouTube. So head over to nurses on fire slash YouTube and subscribe. Happy Mother's Day. Um, nurses week just wrapped up and yes, it's my birthday. So I'm stepping into 39 more grateful than ever. We are going through some major transitions right now. Not just in relation to this crisis, but as a family. And I am grateful for all of you because I get to learn and grow with you every single day. Thank you all for rocking with me and for referring this podcast to your friends, family and colleagues. So this episode is jam packed with gems on top of gems. You may want to re-listen to this episode and take notes because the things shared can save you thousands of dollars and free you from the burden of unnecessary stress from your student loans. This episode's guest is Brenton Harrison, who is a financial influencer and speaker who has spent over a decade teaching financial literacy and empowering people with tools to take control of their money. He is the CEO and founder of Ultra Borrowers Academy, a course of high income earners whose lives have been impacted by a high student loan burden. He teaches strategies for overcoming the burden of debt, juggling family and money and establishing a financial foothold for those who have never been taught the principles of financial literacy. His work has been featured in publications such as The Business Insider, Life Happens, Benefits Magazine, and Advisors Today. Episode 45 of the Nurses on Fire podcast. This nurse manages student loan payments in times of uncertainty. All right, Nurses on Fire, I have the honor of having Brenton Harrison join us. Hey, how you doing, Brenton? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So I really wanted to bring you on because I feel like this is an unprecedented time for nurses and healthcare workers in general, as far as how this crisis is impacting our finances. And I know that you are pretty close to... Some healthcare providers, and so you know some things firsthand or secondhand. I really wanted to use this as a way to share resources with nurses who may or may not be experiencing financial hardships, but it's definitely top of mind. So, first, we'll just dive in with sharing your story, and then we'll talk more about what's going on, particularly in this financial crisis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. First, thank you for having me. As you said, I have a pretty long relationship with people in the healthcare field. I was uh, born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, and Nashville is already one of the the healthcare hotspots in the country. We have HCA here, a number of other healthcare corporations, a number of hospitals here. And we also have Meharry Medical College, Vanderbilt School of Medicine just some larger medical, dental schools where you have not just physicians, but dentists and nurses, so on and so forth. So I came up in it not just from a community perspective, but also uh, my father is an emergency room physician and he married my mother who is a nurse and who has two sisters who are nurses. And my sister is a physical therapist, you know, everybody in my family is in healthcare, except me. (laughs) So, uh, so, so personally, it's definitely something that's close to my heart. And when I became a financial advisor, which is uh, what I do every day, uh, 11 years ago, uh, I naturally just kind of gravitated towards working with people in that field, which led me to actually starting because of, just the struggles that they have with not just the particularities of healthcare, but particularly student loans to start an online course for people who are in healthcare and owe a tremendous amount in student loans, which led me here today.
1: (laughs) Awesome. And we are super thrilled to have you. But it's, it's kind of bittersweet because, you know, I have seen some real, like, Devastation that just happened like so quickly to so many people's finances, unlike anything that I have ever experienced. And I'm still relatively young, but I've gone through a couple of recessions and I feel like medical professionals have been insulated From a lot of um, economic downturns, except this time, like even like every time I talk to a financial advisor or anybody, they're just like, you're a nurse, you'll always have a job, three months of emergency savings is just fine for you. But for the first time in my hospital in particular, we have floors that are shut down nobody's coming to the hospital, emergency room utilization is low, and doctors, anesthesiologists aren't even getting shifts because elective surgeries and elective procedures have been canceled. So this is kind of devastating for a lot of nurses. And even if we aren't impacted, like I said earlier, like it's top of mind, like what if? So what do you say in this situation, this unprecedented situation, like with people who are worried about income, not only just like finances in general, but if they're just going to be able to have the a, a sustainable income?
0: Right. And and one of the things that you said, which is, is interesting, is you're right. First of all, this hadn't happened before in, in any of our lifetimes. And it puts you in an awkward position where if you are getting paid in healthcare right now, it's probably because your health is being put at risk because you're in a, in a high risk department. Or you could be in an area that you thought would never be impacted, like the emergency room, and you're not getting those shifts. And you're almost looking and saying, okay, how long am I not gonna get these shifts? And would it be better if I were just able to get unemployment as opposed to getting one or two shifts a week and trying to figure out your pay? So for people in the situation where they're not getting those checks, it, it really does put you in the frame of mind where you have to be proactive about communicating with any lenders that you might have and just tell them, look, I don't know what my income is going to look like. What negotiation can we enter into in terms of deferred payments or interest only payments? if you have credit cards, seeing if you can negotiate a lower rate, and then also mapping out your savings to see just how far can I go before I need to make some adjustments and figuring out what those adjustments might be. So, you know, you kind of have the tendency when you're in a time like this to bury your head in the sand and not want to look up and actually pay attention to what's going on. But I encourage people to write out a plan of action. If this happens for the next 90 days, who am I going to contact first to make sure that I've negotiated the best scenario that I
1: can? Yeah, I think that's great. The thing that's scary to me is that, you know, the statistic that's out there that most Americans don't have any emergency savings or more than $400 in emergency savings and we know that that's not going to cover a month of expenses. So if someone is finds themselves displaced just and totally caught off guard, what are some resources that they can access to get cash right away? I know there are stimulus checks out there, but what are some things that some fast cash infusions?
0: Fast cash infusions would be more so in, in terms of saving money than finding a place where there's no strings attached to it. You know, one of the things that you're seeing people lean on is this federal stimulus check. And and to be clear, getting a check is better than not getting a check. But you also want people to understand that that is simply an advance on your tax filing for this year. So what that means is, for example, if you're due to receive a $1,200 check, then If you were gonna get a $1,200 tax refund for the year 2020, you just won't get one now. That was an advance on your tax refund. So if you are getting a check and you don't have those cash resources, then I would save it. I would put it aside for a rainy day, but I would also check with your state unemployment office and your state small business office to see if they have any localized grants or resources available to people in the healthcare sector or for just people in your state in general. I'm in Tennessee and I know that they have put together a task force that's designed to help find and solicit funding for people who might be on the front lines. So you wanna call your state small business office, even your mayor's office to see if there's anything that's locally available for you as well.
1: I think unions also, um, if you're a union employee, might have some resources to help or they might be a resource as well. But as far as like the advance for the refunds, what if like most people I know, you usually don't get a tax refund, but you've gotten a stimulus check. Well, you have to pay that back.
0: You will have to pay it back. And and that's a great point. You know, I'm I'm self-employed. So I have to pay my taxes every quarter. So, you know, a person who has to pay their taxes every quarter or a person who doesn't, but still just doesn't typically get a tax refund you're now increasing what your tax burden will be. Uh, so in the scenario of an entrepreneur, if they get a $1,200 or a $2,400 check, they're just gonna have to pay an extra $1,200 or $2,400 come tax time. So if you don't need the money, I would encourage you to just put it in the side, You know, put it aside for savings. Uh, but even if you do need it, I would just be aware, hey, now I'm gonna have to come up with a way to replace that before April, 2021. Uh, because that's going to be something that impacts my next tax fund.
1: Yeah. And one of the biggest things that people can do is decrease their expenses. And like you specialize in, most people have huge student loan burdens. But there have been a part of the stimulus is forbearance on payments until September Can we talk more about that as a way, you know, like you don't have these payments, so now you can save or use that money to help you live?
0: Sure. And as we do it, I want to make sure that I separate the type of loans that were impacted by the type of loans that unfortunately weren't impacted. So a lot of people, they heard, hey, federal student loan payments were suspended until at least September 30th, 2020. Well, that's kind of a half truth because all federal student loans weren't impacted. If you have federal loans that are actually issued and owned by the federal government, which in most cases means a loan that you took out after the year 2010, then those loans, you not only won't have to make a payment for the next six months, but you also won't see any interest accrue on your loans over the next six months. You get credit for forgiveness programs like public service, loan forgiveness and all those things. So it's a really great deal. So if you have those loans where you don't have to make a payment, I would encourage you to treat it as if you do, and if you're able to put that money in savings over the next six months. So if you're you know, fortunate enough that you're still able to put that student loan payment aside, I would put it aside for the next six months in your savings, not just for your own good, but also that when payments start up, you'll have that money set aside and separated. Now, there are also a group of students who might have taken out loans that are not owned by the federal government. They might be backed by the federal government, but they are actually owned and issued by a private lender. Those are typically loans that were taken out before 2010. They could be called Stafford loans. They could be called Perkins loans, which is a type of loan that many people have taken out. And unfortunately, those loans were not impacted at all. You still have payments to make. You still have interest that will accrue on your loans. So for you, if your income has been impacted, I would encourage you to go through some of the steps that you can take to have your payment reduced, and we can go through some of of those steps if you'd like. Uh, But you need to do anything possible to lower all of your bills, and your student loan payment should be chief among them. So post 2010, you won't have to do any of those things. Matter of fact, if you made a payment after March 13th, you can actually get that payment refunded to you. But if you have loans that you took out before 2010, you might still have to make a payment and you need to do whatever you can to negotiate that payment down during this period.
1: I'm known as a debt slayer because of the $200,000 in student loans I slayed in two and a half years. I hated those loans and dealing with the loan servicers, I was head down and focused and wanted to get rid of the debt as soon as possible. Knocking out these loans and seeing a zero loan balance was one of the most liberating feelings I have ever felt. But recently I learned that by not optimizing my student loan payoff strategy, I lost money. I'm talking about big money y'all. I could have saved $80,000 if I had a customized student loan plan by the team at Student Loan Planner. Please don't make the same mistake as me. If you have student loan debt, especially in the six figures, head over to studentloanplanner.com slash financiallyintentional to get your customized student loan plan today. Do you know how your retirement funds are invested? Do you know how much you're paying in fees? Chances are you're on the same boat as some of my coworkers. Some of them set up their retirement when they first got hired and never looked at it again. Some have let a computer select their investments and don't even know what they're invested in. Worst of all, some people have their retirement funds sitting in a savings account, and they're not even invested in the market because they're afraid to lose money. That's hella scary, y'all. What's even scarier is that some of you listening don't even have a clue what I'm talking about. And guess what? This is super common. This has to change today. Let Bloom do the work for you. Head over to financiallyintentional.com slash Bloom and get your free retirement account analysis. They'll check and see if your retirement account is optimized for you and they'll let you know if you're paying too much in fees. That's Bloom with three O's. Bloom can also manage your retirement account on an ongoing basis so you can take the stress out of retirement planning. If you choose to work with Bloom, their fees are incredibly low, less than your Netflix subscription. You have enough to worry about. Let Bloom handle your retirement account. The hardest thing you'll have to do when it comes to your retirement is remember that Bloom is spelled with three O's. Head over to financiallyintentional.com Bloom. Remember spelled with three O's and get your retirement account squared away today. So I know when you are, when people apply for like public student loan forgiveness, for example, they have to, like with those older loan payments, they would have to consolidate those payments into the pay as you earn programs, right? Is that the same thing?
0: So what happens is, particularly with the type of loan called a Stafford loan, There are all these payment programs that the federal government offers that are based on a percentage of what's called your discretionary income. Those are the pay-as-you-earn plan, the revised pay-as-you-earn plan, the income-based repayment plan. There's one called income contingent repayment plan. Well, there's one of those plans, the income-based repayment plan, that lets you sign up for it even if you have Stafford loans. And the problem with that is you're doing the income-driven plan but those loans are not eligible for public service loan forgiveness. So you have a lot of people who think they're getting credit for it, but then they get kind of towards the end and they find out, hey, this loan type doesn't count towards the program because only direct loans can be forgiven under public service loan forgiveness. So the option for those borrowers is they can consolidate those ineligible loans into what's called a new direct consolidation loan. If they do that, they will now be eligible to start getting credit for public service loan forgiveness. They don't get any retroactive credits for payments that they made towards the loans when they were Stafford loans. That might be the right thing for that person to do. However, one of the things you want to realize is under the old type of loan, they still could have it forgiven after either 20 or 25 years under that payment program. And they would lose all the credits that they made for payments that they made to that. So, you know, to put it this way, if you're five years from having your loans forgiven under just the general income-based repayment plan, you would want to think twice before you consolidated them and started a new 10-year plan for the public service loan.
1: That's like super important information. And I forgot that there were those other plans. And what I meant to say was income-based <laughs> repayments, not the pay as you earn. But so for people that have older loans, though, in general, would it benefit them to consolidate their loans right now to be able to qualify for zero payments? Or Are they only doing that for people who were already had newer loans?
0: Right. I mean, unless you have just been on one of those plans for 11, 12 years, I would say for most people, it's going to benefit them to consolidate them, especially if you're already in public service. Like if you consolidate the loans into a new direct loan, not only will you not have payments until September 30th, you'll get credit for those payments, even though you're not making them, and you'll be eligible for public service loan forgiveness. So I would imagine that for the overwhelming majority of people it would benefit them to just go ahead and consolidate. You just want to be aware of the fact that whatever payments you made on that old plan to that point, you're going to lose credit to them.
1: Got you, got you. That makes a lot of sense. So what are some other services that you provide
0: so the name of my online course is Ultra Borrowers Academy, and it's a program that is a five-segment program for people who we've coined as ultra borrowers, which is, in our words, just somebody who owes a mortgage worth of student loan debt. So we go all the way from federal loans to private loans. With federal loans, we offer services in them, such as figuring out whether you should refinance them with a private lender understanding how your interest rates work to make sure that you're doing the best you can to maximize your payments, Uh, how to make sure you have the lowest required payment for the income-driven plans and knowing how each of those four plans work so that you can understand which one is the best for you. So we start out and we give you the basics and we build all the way up into some complex concepts because the goal is not to tell you stuff that you can find online. Anybody can go on the Federal Student Aid website and figure out how the payment plan works. Our goal is to show you how to strategize so you can form a plan that always puts you in the driver's seat. So in a time like this, I would want you to know, how can I negotiate a lower payment using the rules that they put in place uh, to my benefit? And that's the goal, to teach you how to strategize based on the rules that they've laid out for.
1: You know, you say anybody can access it, but access in the federal <laughs> you you know how to read that stuff and I have two master's degrees. And I still every time I go on there, I'm like, what? It's just kind of like me going to the IRS website. I'm like, what are they saying?
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's a that's a great point because they, they do put the information out there. But, you know, for someone like myself, I'm a decade into it and I do have to read it two and three times at times to really understand what they mean. And that's another reason why we've offered this resource to say, like, here's what is said online. Here's what that means in the way that you and I are going to speak Monday through Friday. So here's a way that you can understand it and apply it to your benefit. And that's what we offer in the course
1: yeah I think that's an awesome benefit because most people in general have no idea of how to apply like all these <laughs> benefits or lack thereof to their own personal situation because everybody you know even though most situations aren't unique it feels it feels super unique when you don't know what options you have available to you, I mean for you, in order to repay these loans. And also, I think it's super important what you're offering because it gives people strategies outside just paying down loans. Like what should you be focused on right now? How should your money be spent right now? As opposed to just, okay, well, you know, they're not <laughs> they're not charging you for your student loans this month. So, you know.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and, and you know, and even for the people who are in a position where they have to make payments, you know, one of the things that I said about those income-driven plans is they base the payment off of a percentage of what's called your discretionary income, and that typically comes from your previous year's tax return. So take a nurse right now who may have seen their shifts cut in half. Well, their last year's tax return may reflect an income that they're not earning right now. So they might think, hey, they asked me to tell them when I'm earning once a year And maybe that's not for another six months. So I just have to suffer through this high payment right now, even though I'm not making what I was making. But if you actually look at the language on the student aid website, it says that you can ask them to recertify your income as often as benefits you, essentially. So if you have any documents documentation from your employer that says, hey, we're cutting your pay by 50% or hey, we're reducing your shifts by two shifts a week. You can actually use that documentation and ask your loan servicer to recertify your payment so that you're not paying as much as you were uh, when you were getting five shifts a week or four shifts a week. So taking the bull by the horns and using any of that documentation that you can is actually a way to reduce your required payment right now for those who still have
1: and do they actually recertify like every year? What do they give people like an extended amount of time to have this a lower payment? Because when do they actually ask you to submit your income verification?
0: Right, so for most people, it's based on when they initially started paying. So let's say that you graduated in May of 2020 and you have a six month grace period. So maybe in uh, November, they ask you to, you know, give them information saying what your pay is to calculate your payment. Well, for you, it may be now that every November moving forward, they're going to reach out to you to certify your income. And for too many people, they go through a situation where they've had a negative circumstance that impacts their pay, but they don't call their loan servicer because the next November hasn't rolled around But you actually, whenever you've had anything that's impacted your pay or impacted uh, the number of people in your household, uh, for example, if you are pregnant with a child, you now can call them and say that you have a new member of your household. You don't even have to have the child yet. And it will actually reduce your payment based on the way that they do that calculation.
1: Wow. That's so much game. These are things that I didn't even know, and that's why you're an awesome resource. So, how can people reach out to you, get in contact with you, and potentially join Ultra Borrowers Academy?
0: Yeah, so the quickest way is to go to our website, ultraborrowers.com. We actually, right now, have a free resource there for people who go to our website, and we have actually a cheat sheet for the different income driven plans that we've talked about. So I encourage people to go to ultra borrowers.com and download that resource. You can also email us at support at ultra borrowers.com with any questions that you might have about the program. And we'd we'll be happy to help. you.
1: That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. You just drop in all kinds of gems. You're a wealth of knowledge. And I hope you guys in this challenging times, in these challenging times, can find a little bit of hope and know that (laughs) there's resources out there for you and know that we got your back and you're feeling it too (laughs) so even if you aren't a nurse a lot of people are out here impacted and so just i appreciate you and what you're doing for the healthcare community and send lots of love to your family
0: you as well thank you for having me
1: thanks Brenton shared so much good information in this episode and now I know you're asking how can I work with him well he's offering a special discount to you nurses on fire with student loan debt for his ultra borrowers academy click the link in the description or the show notes to find out more lesson number one of us that have received a stimulus check Please know that the amount received will be deducted from your refund or you may have to even pay it back depending on your filing status.
0: Check with your state unemployment office and your state small business office to see if they have any localized grants or resources available to people in the healthcare sector or for just people in your state in general.
1: Lesson number two. Public service loan forgiveness gives you the opportunity to have your loans forgiven after 120 payments, but not all loan types qualify. If you have a loan that doesn't qualify, here is what you do to make them eligible.
0: The option for those borrowers is they can consolidate those ineligible loans into what's called a new direct consolidation loan. If they do that, they will now be eligible to start getting credit for public service loans. They don't get any retroactive credits for payments that they made towards the loans when they were Stafford loans. That might be the right thing for that person to do. However, one of the things you wanna realize is under the old type of loan, they still could have it forgiven after either 20 or 25 years under that payment program, and they would lose all the credits that they made uh, for payments that they made to them.
1: Lesson number three. If your income has been impacted in any way, take action today to get your loan payments reduced.
0: If you have any documents, documentation from your employer that says hey we're cutting your pay by 50 percent or hey we're reducing your shifts by two shifts a week you can actually use that documentation and ask your loan servicer to recertify your payment so that you're not paying as much as you were uh, when you were getting five shifts a week or four shifts a week
1: you've been listening to nurses on fire if you want to learn more about me or my guests check out our show notes page If you found value, please support our show by supporting our sponsors and affiliates also listed in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or whatever podcast app you're using to stream this show. You guys, tell all the nurses in your life to subscribe. (laughs) And if you know a nurse with a compelling money story and would like me to feature them, shoot me an email at nasima at financiallyintentional.com. All right, y'all. Much love and keep them fires blazing. Thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye-bye.